Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. Good morning, Area 10. My name is Joaquin Martinez, and I have the privilege and honor to serve as one of your elders. Psalm 37 of David. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. I plan these messages out months in advance, and I was going to talk today about how the world's gotten crazy, and there wasn't really any fresh examples for me to give you in the last, you know, weeks, months. I could think back to years past. And then this weekend, um, if you've been following what's happening in Israel, there's a lot going on there. And um, I've been to Israel and talked to people who live there and have gotten a lot of different stories um, about what life is like. And so it's a very complicated situation. And, and yesterday, I think I, in the last 24 hours, I've looked at articles, everything from Fox News to Al Jazeera. And um, th there's very different stories being told about what's going on, and it's pretty hard to, to follow. But it's something to pray for because it's a, it's a volatile um, situation and place. And so it is a, a maybe another current reminder that things go in cy uh, cycles and things get a little bit crazy. And that's what I want to talk to you about is when things seem crazy. Um, this weekend, yes, there's that. Uh, I was thinking back two years gone by, and I think we could all agree 2020 was a little bit crazy. Um, I, I was expecting 2024 to be crazy. I think we're on like a four-year cycle of crazy right now. But 2020 was wild and uh, just stuff that we hadn't seen perhaps uh, in maybe in our lifetime, but, but, but some, some really nutty stuff and, and you just kind of go like, is it getting nuttier out there? Like why, why are these things happening the way they are, you know? But it wasn't just 2020. Does anyone remember 2016? Wasn't that long ago? That was fun, wasn't it? 
there were some really weird things. And I remember during that election cycle, and maybe, maybe the, the lesson here is it's just during election cycles it gets really crazy. But I remember during that election cycle that I remember people saying, oh, it's never been this bad, and, and, and this is going to be, this is like the worst election, and this is terrible, and it's never going to be this bad again. And, and I remember thinking, I think this is how bad it's going to be from now on. I think this is just the new normal of crazy that we're going to have in elections. Like, I, maybe I'm just not optimistic enough or whatever, but I was like, that, that wasn't good. So I remember that being a little, a little nutty. Um, but I actually think you could trace it back even farther than that. Let's go back to 2012. I know we hardly remember what was going on in 2012, also an election year. But 2012 is, I think, historically, and we've talked about this before, but I think we're going to look back in history and write books about 2012 because it's the first year over 50% of the population had smartphones. And so there's just a shift in the way we interact with the world and what we think is true and what's not true and how we get in our information and what our lives are like. And it's just different. And it's been different. We, we, people have always done dumb things, but never before in history have we had the uh, the possibility of filming them and broadcasting them to the entire world like we had starting in about 2012. I mean, how many of you would say, like, if, if, they, had, if they had cameras on you when you were a teenager, that would have been a bad thing, right? Like, there's just stuff that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad we, didn't, we weren't broadcasting our stupidity to the entire world to consume back when I was, when I was young, right? Um, there, there's just there's just some stuff, and so uh, things have been going on for a long time, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of nonsense flying around. Um, there's a lot of lies, a lot of misinformation, disinformation flying around. And it's pretty difficult because it seems like the the lies, the, the the news, the lies travel quickly. Mark Twain famously said, "A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes." And Mark Twain did not have Instagram. He did not realize how true that statement would be about how the lies can fly around the world. And it's just weird now. We have a culture where people are developing personas rather than real personality, where people are chasing money rather than pursuing character. People are, in some sense, marketing their own personal brand. They're becoming a product to consume. They're setting themselves up in a way to show up to entertain other people. Like, it's just very odd. We, and there's all this stuff sort of flying around. We've lost the definition of what a woman is. We are polarized. We are tribal. We are, uh, you know, drawing the lines, arguing with one another about all these things. And I, and I find myself asking, like, when did this get so crazy? Like, how, how are we where we are now? But then I take a breath, and I realize, like, man, we've been here before. We've had pandemics. We've had riots. We've had disagreements. We've had tribalism. We've been here before. There have been wars. There have been um, disruptions. This is always going on, and somehow people survived, and we probably will survive too. Um, and I, I wonder... I sometimes wonder as I read the Scripture and I read the Gospels, I've been reading through the Gospels lately, and I, I wonder if Jesus felt it as well, if he just thought, man, it's getting crazy here on earth, like the Roman Empire, what they were dealing with in the first century. I wonder if he experienced that as well. And sometimes you get a hint of it in the Gospels when you read. You, you see these moments where it seems like Jesus is just over it, you know? Look, we always picture Jesus being very loving, kind, gentle, and, and, I, and I think for the most part he was. Um, but there's just some stuff that comes up where he's like, come on, you guys, like, can you get it together? Like, his own disciples are trying to heal people and, and cast out demons and stuff, and they're struggling. And so this guy, 
brings his son. His son is demon-possessed, and his son falls down and froths at the mouth. And he tries to bring his son to the disciples. They can't handle it, so he ends up bringing his son to Jesus. And, and they have this encounter where this guy comes, and he's like, can you heal my son? Now, you would expect if you've not read a lot of the Gospels or you just know about Jesus but you don't know Jesus, you might expect that Jesus would see this guy who's struggling with his son and be like, bless you, I love you, I'm going to heal, I'm going to handle the situation. And like, to be clear, he does handle it, okay? And he does help the guy. But before he does that, he says this, and he, Mark 9, 19, and he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And I don't know that there is an actual eye roll in the scripture, but I would, I would argue that there's probably one there that he's like, come on, you guys. How many times do we, where's the faith? Why, why does everybody doubt? Why can't you just do the thing you're supposed to do? I'm sure there were moments where the craziness got to him too. And I wonder if he, if he sang a song. In this series we're looking at, uh, we call it the songs that Jesus sang. We're looking at the Psalms, the Old Testament book of Psalms. And the Psalms for a Jewish guy in the first century, this is your hymn book. These are the songs you knew. And so Jesus would have had the Psalms memorized. He would know those songs, and he would be able to sing them by heart like all good Jewish boys and girls in in that culture could do. And so if you wonder, like, you know, sometimes a song gets stuck in your head, and sometimes it's really helpful. Like the lyrics of a song just kind of hit in the moment when you need it. You know, it's like like you broke up, and suddenly there's a Taylor Swift song for that, you know, or whatever. Like sometimes a song is perfect. And I think that's true of the Psalms. I think they are perfect for the moment, and they meet the moment when, when we're in it because of such a wide range of emotion and experience that mostly David who, David, who wrote most of the Psalms, he pours those out into those songs, and they hit. And I wonder if, if Jesus, when the world was getting crazy, I wonder if he sang a song. I wonder if he wandered around under his breath kind of humming this tune while, while the crowds are gathering around him. And I wonder if while the world was getting crazy, he, he specifically sung um, Psalm 37 because, he, because the Roman Empire had its moments of, of nuttiness and, and he recognized that empires fail and that, and that wicked people do things and that he had to put up with it and he had to remind himself where, where, his, where his roots really were. So I want to read to you Psalm 37, at least some pieces of it. Um, Joaquin just read a, a chunk of it. Interestingly enough, if you remember a couple months ago, that guy, Oliver Anthony, who from, I guess, Farmville, Virginia, sang that song, Rich Men, North of Richmond, became like this viral hit. You probably heard it, saw it. Um, I was just excited that Richmond was on a national map somewhere. I was like, yeah, Richmond. I don't even know what the song's about, but Richmond, let's go. Um, but actually, before a concert, um, he wanted to, he said a few words, and he read Psalm 37. So interesting, because he was kind of applying that to America. Whether you like him or the song or, or not, whatever, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like, oh, here's Psalm 37 sort of showing up in our popular culture. So I'm going to read um, Psalm 37. Maybe this is a song Jesus sang when things got crazy, but I think it's one that we can, and I think there's some good stuff for us to learn. Let me just read a piece of it. Joaquin read maybe a, a, a larger section for us. Let me just start with verse 1. Uh, he's, David writes this, and he says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. This word, uh, fret yourselves, it shows up several times in the psalm, fret. Uh, and that's an English translation of a Hebrew word. And it basically means when your anger bubbles up so much into worry and anxiety, right? And I think we all, I think that's actually a pretty good English translation of a, of a Hebrew word, right? We're fretting. We all know what that's like. I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry, anxious. I'm sort of angry, anxious, worrying, like things are not good, and I'm kind of all worked up and, and torn up about it. Um, and he talks about that, and it shows up throughout the psalm, and mostly what he says we fret about is not like natural disasters. Those are things for sure. But mostly what we fret about are about what other people do, particularly what he calls the wicked or the evildoers. He talks about that a lot in this psalm. And you see that contrast between the righteous and the evildoers. You see that show up all throughout the songs that, that David wrote. So let me just read you a couple of them where he talks about his fretting and evildoers. Psalm 37, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. 37.12, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. Verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Verse 20, 21, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glories of the pastor. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. This contrast of wicked and righteous and the things we fret about, the things that, that make us go... Yo, it's getting crazy out here. How do we, how do we not fret uh, like he describes? How do, how do we do that? Well, I think the key is actually, it's, it's shown in the beginning of the psalm. Let me go back to it. It says this. It starts this way. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they, why? Why, why, why should you not be envious of wrongdoers and evildoers? People are messing things up like what other people are doing. Why? It says, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So let me give you just a couple ideas here about when things seem crazy, how we can show up in the world. This isn't about how everybody else does. It's not about your coworkers, not about your friends, not about your mom's wringing her hands and concerned about something. This is about you. How can you show up in the world when there are things that we think we should be worried about? Number one, look forward. Look forward. Take the long view. He says, don't fret about evildoers. He says, they're going to like fade like grass and wither like herbs. Like eventually there's a life cycle to even the people who are messing up and are the evildoers. And they're just going to go away. They're just going to, like he says, fade. Take the long view of the relationships and of the, of the things that are causing you worry. Um, I have, uh, I have experienced this over the years. I've been on earth long enough to have some relationships over a long period of time. And some have gone poorly, right? Um, things have been burned down. I burned them down. They burned them down. I have broken relationships, like you have broken relationships. And, and it takes a long time sometimes to see the truth in the situation. There are situations that I've gone through in the past and, and brokenness where... Um, over time, I've been able to reflect and go, oh, I, I should have handled this differently, or I, I blew that and it should have been different. Or over time, the other, 
I've seen the other person flame out in some sort of epic ways, and I'm like, yeah, I knew they were a problem. It wasn't me. They're, they're blowing it up in other areas of their life as well. Like, over time, um, I have seen stuff happen. And, and mostly, like, I keep my mouth shut about it, right? It's not like nobody likes it when you're that guy who's like, I was right, you were wrong. Like, just let it, let it go, right? But notice, over time, that it is what the psalmist says, that when people are wrongdoers or evildoers or whatever, like, they're going to fade. Like, they're going to shrivel up eventually, and, and God is going to see that. Look forward, keep your eyes going forward and, and not freaking out about what they're doing, and trust that God sees what they're doing and knows. See, that's, we don't trust God to see and know. We think that I have to see and know what you're doing wrong and punish you for it or get my vengeance or whatever. And he's like, no, trust, look, you keep your eyes forward. Keep, up, keep your eyes on where you're going and trust that God will see and, and, and know. Um, and it takes time to learn that lesson. I, I feel like I'm old enough now that there are things that I come across where I'm like, I've, I've seen this movie and I know how it ends, you know? And that's not just true of movies. That's just life, right? Like, it was like, yep, I know how that situation will end. I've seen this before. And it takes time to get that place. And it's not a bad thing, you know, to, to, have, that, to have that long-term perspective because it helps you to not fret on the stuff that's happening in the moment when it pops up. Uh, 500 years ago, a French philosopher, Michel de Montaigne, said this, my life has been filled with terrible mo- misfortune, most of which never happened. And I'm like, I read that, I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, th- what is he talking about? He's talking about how we freak out about all the things that are going to be terrible. There's actually been a study in the last couple of years, I, 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 found, I found some data on this, that, that back up what he said. Here's, here's the numbers. 85% of what we worry about never happens. 85%. That's a lot of what we worry about never happens. Of the 15% that does happen, 79% of people discovered that they could handle it better than they thought. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. Which means 97% of what we worry about is just our minds being overly fearful. 97% of what you worry about is not worth worrying about. It's not a thing. And some of you are like, but there's that 3%. Like, but what? <laughs> who's going to worry about that if I don't do it? It's my job to freak out. I'm like, I don't, your mom will worry about it, I promise. So just let her do it. I don't know. Like, like 97%, guys, of what we worry about is, is just misplaced. And I think David didn't have the numbers when he wrote the psalm. He didn't have the numbers to back that up, but I think you would back that up. So remember that as you fret about politics or kids these days or what they're teaching in the schools or this particular relationship challenge. Remember that as we fret, that it's probably not worth worrying about. And trust that God is going to have the final say on those things. And, 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 and we can trust him. And that gives us hope. For those of us who follow him, we have some hope here that it's not... That, that it's going to be okay. So look forward. Keep looking forward and, and not focusing on all of what could be and what happened in the past. Uh, secondly, uh, from the psalm, I would say look upward. Look upward. Psalm 37.3 says this again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfuls. Trust in the Lord. Look to him 
instead of into all of our circumstances and situations. Um, trust that he will not let us down. And, it, and that's hard when things at schools are not good or the kids aren't good or the, the economy is poor or there's a virus or there's a what. Like when there's all of the things, it's very hard to look upward because we're so busy looking at ourselves and our current situation and our problems. It's hard to look forward. It's hard to look upward. Um, it, and, it's hard, and it's hard to trust. Uh, it's hard to trust other people, for sure, because people let us down, all of us. And that's a challenging because as a society, we need trust to even function. I have to trust that when I get financial advice, they're not trying to mess me about. I have to trust public health officials that they actually have public health in mind. I have to trust, you know, society functions with trust. And when that breaks down, it's very challenging for all of us to navigate. Well, what would it look like to trust the Lord instead of just trusting people? Um... Is it possible to trust God in the midst of things going crazy around us? Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 28, very famous scripture. People love to quote it. This is one of these that kind of ends up on coffee cups. But it's a good one. It says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's not a blank check. I've talked to you about this verse before. It's not a blank check. It's not everything is good all the time for everybody. What it says is, if you love God, if you are his follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're, you're, you're team Jesus God on board, God will, will uh, work things together for good. doesn't mean everything that happens is good. doesn't mean everything that happens is something you like. doesn't mean everything that happens is something that feels good to you. It means that of all of the things that are going to happen, God can make something good out of that. The crooked lines can be made straight. That's what it's telling us. And that's why we look upward. That's why we trust. And that is another lesson that really just comes with time. Like, you've really got to blow it to know that God's got you. I'm not suggesting you go out and blow it. I'm just saying sometimes that's what has to happen. And I wish there was another way. I wish, I wish we could all just learn from being told and reading it or something. And then like, I got it. I have learned it. I'm, I have internalized this truth in my life and I'm going to apply it. I'm going to walk it out and live it. But I don't know about you. That doesn't always work for me. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't always work for you either. Some stuff, we just, you know, we got to learn it. We've, you got to burn it down and then find out, well, that wasn't a good idea, you know? Like, God's going to give you beauty from ashes. Do you know what that means? You have to have ashes. You have to have burnt something to the ground. And then, then you're like, oh, okay, now I know that even when I'm sitting in the ashes and things are burned down and horrible, God can still make something. I didn't know that before. I thought that was true. I had read about that somewhere, but I didn't really know it in my heart. Um, we have to recognize, we look upward and trust him because we recognize that God tells us that he makes the crooked line straight, but he actually does that in our lives. And so our responsibility is not to fix everything, but our responsibility is to look upward and trust him. And when I'm in a decent space, I get it. When I'm in a decent headspace, um, I, can, I can trust him. Um, I can look around and see that none of this craziness catches God off guard, you know? It's not like God was sitting there in 2020 and, be, and was like, COVID, what? Who, who made that? How did that slip in there? I have no idea. Like, well, what, 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 you know, it's not, he's, not, he's not fretting. He's not in heaven like, how are we going to handle this virus? I have no idea. 
I hope they get masks. I haven't figured this out yet. I'm still, we're still working on it up here. Like, no. Like, there's no, God does not worry. So there should be comfort in this. Um, I always think uh, we, a worship song, a song gets stuck in your head. Uh, we, we used, we, we've, we've sung it here before. Um, and, and one, uh, your love is strong. And, and it's kind of a riff on Psalm 23, but it, it says like, why do I worry? Why do I freak out? God knows what I need. You know what I need. And I, that, that's one of those that kind of gets stuck in my head. Of, and, and there's some comfort in this when I freak out. And so let me just say, when you, re, you freak out, go back and read Psalm 37 that we're reading today. Or this is easy. Read Psalm 73. It's very similar. 37, 73, got it. They both add up to 10. Just remember that, okay? Like both of those are very good to read. When, when you're freaking out. Um, so Psalm 37.3, let me read this to you again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So first I would say look forward. Secondly, look upward. And finally this, um, get to work. Number three, get to work. Uh, there are just many stupid things we worry about and fret about when we are idle. We are, uh, when we have a lot of free time, it doesn't always go well. And sometimes the things that we freak out about, I, I find myself going like, we just got too much time in our hands to worry about this stuff. Like, and that's just kind of unfortunate. Like in the history of the world, people were hunting for their food. And if you're hunting for your food, you, wor- you tend to worry a little less about if they're teaching CRT in the schools. I'm just saying, if you're trying to get a meal tonight, you freak out a little less about that stuff. Not that there aren't conversations to have, and let's talk about what it's being taught. And all. Like, I, I, get, I get it, I get it. I've, I've heard all the arguments. I, I understand. But, you know, maybe we have a little bit too much free time. If, you're, if your role is to make sure that the fox doesn't get into the hen house, literally, and you're fighting that battle in a, on a daily basis, you're wondering how you're going to catch the fox and make sure that you have hens to lay eggs or whatever, you're just not going to be worried about everyone's pronouns or whatever, right? Like... So much of fretting and worrying is because we have so much time and so much money to fret and worry. And I just wonder if that's not doing us a lot of favors. We are just so way up Maslow's hierarchy of pyramid. We are so well handled in the history of the world. We are so well fed and air conditioned and comfortable on a barca lounger that, you know, that... Maybe we shouldn't freak out about all the things that we freak out about. We, we, don't, we, we actually have time and energy and money to worry about things like microaggressions. I'm not saying there are no problems in the world still today. There are still problems. But in the history of the world, we have it relatively good. This is why I've seen when people have too much free time, it goes poorly for them. Whether we're underemployed or we're, um, you know, sometimes college students got too much free time and they start freaking out about stuff. Um, people in retirement sometimes when they don't stay purposeful, active, busy, focused, they start forwarding you things to <laughs> so you freak out about. And you're like, I love you, mom, dad. I'm trying to raise a family here. I cannot worry about what's happening in the school system in Des Moines right now. I know that's really important, but I just, I just need my kid to eat and handle potty training right now. Like, I just can't. Um, and I, and I, so um, David reminds us uh, to do good, to get to work. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do something. And not just busy work, 
but work that brings life to the kingdom. Be his disciple and make disciples of all people. That's the game we're in. We're trying to grow in the Lord. We're trying to know him. We're trying to grow. Look, you focus on love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. You focus on those things. Um, you, you don't have time to worry about, you know, what's being taught in the local library or whatever the heck. Like, you got work to do. And you need it in your, in your families and in the people that you love. And, and like, that's where your energy is. I, I got off a lot of social media this year. Um, I think for me, uh, I'm so less informed now that I'm off Twitter that I, I don't know what I'm supposed to freak out about, um, it, which is lovely. Like, I just recommend that they say ignorance is bliss, and I don't want to be completely uninformed, but I'd like to not have something telling me to freak out every day about this thing, now this thing, now this thing. Um, I don't know that that's actually helpful for me. I don't know that the human brain was designed to handle that much information. And so I'm trying to stay purposeful. I'm on earth to love the Lord and, and go to heaven someday and bring as many people with me as I can. And we are his disciples. We are his followers. This is what life is. This is the game. And so how much energy do I want to freak out about, about political things and nation building and all this kind of stuff when that stuff is not what I'm here for. That is not the game. That's not what we're about. And so um, I actually think having purpose, doing good work, uh, following the Lord, it's one of the most grounding things you can do. And it helps you keep your head when everyone around you is losing their head. And I think the psalm, this psalm points us that direction to look, to look forward in future, hope, to look upward, trust the Lord, and to get to work. And, and do good work. I think this helps us to stay calm when the world is going nuts. Now, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to stand in that place when the rest of the world's doing something else. And, and to, to illustrate that, let me show you this picture. You've probably seen this famous picture from 1937, I think. Uh, uh, this is at a factory in, in Germany. And you've seen this picture maybe because they like to highlight this one guy. Let me show you the fuller picture here. That guy. Um, and, and you've got everybody doing this Nazi salute for a speech that Hitler was giving, except for that guy who's clearly not having it, right? Arms crossed. And if you've ever seen this, it's usually people will be like, they'll say, like, be like that guy, right? When the world's being like this, you be like that guy. And a lot of us think that if we were there, we'd be like that guy. It's probably not true. The truth is, Everybody's doing the other thing. And most of us do what everybody's doing when it comes up, right? Like, and you know this. We saw this, we saw this the last couple of years. Oh, it's, you know, this unprecedented time. So it's like, everybody do this. And so everybody does that. Whatever that is, right? We, you've seen that. You know what that pressure's like. I, I've had people call me, Chris, I'm going to lose my job if, if I don't get vaccinated or whatever it is, right? Like, there's the pressure to conform. And everybody in there knows that if they don't conform, they're going to lose their jobs at the factory. And so everybody conforms, everybody salutes, except for that one guy. How does he stand out? How is he different? How does he sit there and fold his arms when everybody else salutes? Is it because he's just stronger? You know, he just was better in some way. He just got it. He, just w he was on the right side of history, all the things that we like to say. Actually, the story is a little simpler than that. People have traced it, say the guy in that picture is a guy named August Landmesser. 
And he was a member of the Nazi Party, card-carrying Nazi Party member as of 1934. But by the time this picture comes up, something had changed in his life. And he fell in love. He fell in love with a woman named Irma Eckler, who was Jewish. And, and he got denied a marriage permit, and there was just some challenges there that he was running into. And the reason his arms are folded in this picture is because he loved someone more than what was going on at that rally. Like something mattered to him more than following along with the crowd. He had a deeper love. And I think that's what it takes for us. That's what it's going to take for us. When, when the world seems to be going one way, you're not going to step out of that just out of principle or just because or because you've got a better handle on the right side of history. Like all those intellectual arguments are great until you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your life, you're going to like until it's on the line. And the thing that will actually help us stand out and be rooted and grounded in something else is when we love something more than this world. When we love something more than the money we're making, when we love something or someone more than the party we're a part of or the belief, the belief system that we're holding, um, when, we're, when we have that love. And, and, and let me encourage you and challenge you to stir up your affections for God. Love him. Love his work that he has given you to do. Love his people. And let that drive you because it's only a love like that that helps us to stand when everything around us is, is going crazy. Let's pray. God, help us to be the people who stand apart um, when things get tough and weird and challenging. Um, help us to be people who will, who will handle it differently. God, I, I don't know when that's coming. I don't know what's going to happen now globally with Israel and, and just different wars and who comes on board with those wars and what's going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in our own city um, with my neighbors, with friends, with people in the community here. We, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what 2024 is going to look like. We just... There's a lot of uncertainty, as there always is. And that's the way you've ordered life to be, that we don't always get to know. And, and maybe, God, you do that so that we don't trust our own certainty or we don't trust our in intuition. and Instead, we, we look to you and trust you. So, God, I, I confess I haven't always trusted you, and I don't always trust you. Sometimes I fret and freak out. God, I, I pray that this psalm is a, a necessary corrective for all of us that uh, we hear it and we go, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to freak out. Um, I'm going to love something more than this world and uh, stay rooted and grounded in you. Help us to do that this week because inevitably something will come up this week that will make us freak out. And God, when we are freaking out, may someone else in this room come alongside us and say, hey, remember that thing about not fretting? This is your moment. Don't do it. Um, look forward, look upward, and, and get to work. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.